Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to June's podcast series on one month to better investigations and internal reportings. So what do you do when the call, the email, or the personal tip comes into your office where an employee reports suspicious activity somewhere literally across the globe? That activity might well turn into a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act issue for your company. In today's climate, it can turn into issues under lots of different anti-corruption jurisdictions. The Brazilian Clean Companies Act, the UK Bribery Act, or even domestic anti-corruption laws such as brought GSK to bear in China. As the Chief Compliance Officer, it will be up to you to begin the process which will determine in many instances how your company will respond going forward and will set the tone throughout this most difficult period. This month's podcast series will provide to you all the steps you need to consider going forward. I'm going to take a look at independent versus in-house investigations, investigation protocols, the different resources that a compliance practitioner may bring to bear in an investigation, such as internal audit, IT, and legal. And I'll take a look at special issues such as privilege, Upjohn and Miranda warnings, data privacy, and of course, the Yates memo and its effect. I think you will learn a lot this month if you follow this podcast series. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to the June podcast series. Day 15, the parameters of privileges. Today, I want to visit about two types of privileges that are often asserted by corporations or individuals in the context of internal investigations or investigations by outside counsel of corporations. And they are certainly related, but they are not interchangeable and they're significantly different. So the first is the attorney-client privilege. The attorney-client privilege applies when the following five prongs are present. Number one, a client is seeking legal advice or a lawyer's services. Number two, the person to whom the communication is made is a lawyer or his or her representative. Number three, the communication relates to a fact disclosed from a client to a lawyer. Number four, strangers are not present. And number five, the client requires confidentiality. The attorney work product doctrine is codified in Federal Rule Civil Procedure 26B3, and it provides a qualified protection to materials prepared by a party's counsel or their representative in anticipation of litigation. This doctrine exists because it permits lawyers with certain degree uh, to work with a certain degree of privacy, free from unnecessary intrusion by opposing parties, and unlike the attorney-client privilege, it, which belongs to the client, the work product immunity privilege may be asserted by either the lawyer or the client. While the attorney-client privilege is included in the rule of evidence, rules of evidence, the work product doctrine is included in the rules of civil procedure in the series relating to discovery. These differences were highlighted in a case from a couple of years ago involving the entity Petro Tiger. And in that case, it was an FCPA case where the company was alleged to have paid bribes to obtain certain uh, extractive mineral concessions. And the general counsel 
uh, was induced by the FBI to uh, wear a wire and confront the co-CEO of the uh, company. The co-CEO was a fellow named Joel Siegelman. The former general counsel was a fellow named um, Gregory Wiseman. So Wiseman wires up, and he goes to see Siegelman, and he tries to induce Siegelman to admit that he had made payments or bribe payments in Colombia to obtain mineral concessions. In the trial of this matter, the former CEO Siegelman's counsel tried to assert the attorney-client privilege to keep these wiretaps out. And the court rejected this because, frankly, Siegelman was not seeking legal advice. It was the former general counsel who flew to Siegelman's home to confront him over the fact um, that the FBI had come to actually uh, Wiseman uh, to ask questions about the payments. So there was really no attempt by the CEO to obtain legal advice. It's also incumbent to note that the attorney-client privilege can be waived. While there is a general recognition that only an authorized agent of a corporation may waive the privilege, uh, the most (coughs) frequently encountered instances of losing the privilege are through selective disclosure, such as in responding to government investigation, supplying information to a government agency, or where the information is disclosed in certain SEC filings or other financial required financial disclosures. In circum- certain circumstances, disclosures to an external corporate auditor or accounting response can also waive the privilege. Finally, any disclosure to a third party not affiliated with a lawyer or insurance disclosure may also. So the um, court in the Petro Tiger case distinguished between having an attorney-client relationship, and having an attorney-client privilege. In an attorney-client relationship, it isn't enough to make all conversations privileged. A client needs to be seeking legal advice. And that was the first prong of uh, the requirements for the attorney-client privilege. And indeed, the judge said that he could not find a shred of indication that the general counsel was present with the intention of giving advice to Siegelman. Or the converse, that Siegelman was seeking advice for from the general counsel. Interestingly, the trial court did not uh, give an opinion on the question of who's the client in this situation. But as I noted before, most CEO types think of their general think of the general counsel as their personal lawyer. However, that view is misplaced as the general counsel works for the company and that the client is the corporation. So uh, the court did not have to reach this question. All of this uh, led one commentator to note the attorney-client privilege is often misinterpreted as broader uh, than it is. Certainly it's true that uh, bad facts make bad law, and that's something that uh, I continually harp on. Nevertheless, in the Petro Tiger case, we did not have bad facts making bad law. I think the court came to the right decision. Uh, there was an attorney-client relationship, and that fostered candor to trust, But and the government uh, may have taken advantage of that trust. Nevertheless, um, there was not an attorney-client privilege going forward. The 
Attorney-client privilege is different, however, in Europe. And specifically in England, there was recently a case which I think many commentators found troubling, but it, uh, it's the law in England. And in this case, England's High Court of Justice ruled that the mining group Eurasian Natural Resources Corp- Corporation must produce to the UK Serious Fraud Office documents the company claimed were privileged, including uh, attorneys' notes of executives' interviews interviewed during the company's internal investigation. The SFO had sought the documents as part of a criminal investigation into allegations of fraud, bribery, and corruption. The court largely rejected the company's claims of legal professional privilege, or what we would call the work product doctrine, holding that the privilege does not apply when a document is not prepared for the sole or dominant purpose of conducting adversarial litigation. The company was therefore required to produce the bulk of contested documents because the court found the investigation was a fact-finding exercise. So in Europe, also, in-house counsel do not have the attorney-client privilege. So uh, in Europe and in the UK, you need to consider what privileges you may have or may not have that are available to you in the U.S., But there was also a troubling decision recently out of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, which held that public disclosure of the results of an internal investigation of the Washington Metropolitan Transit Authority resulted in a subject matter waiver of the attorney-client privilege governing the interview memorandum, which was used to compile the report. The court concluded that the interview memos did not qualify for the work product protection because even though the agency had been threatened with legal action and waited more than two years to hire outside counsel to conduct the investigation, meaning it was not reasonable to assume that the entity conducted, excuse me, continued to believe litigation was possible and the investigation was therefore not conducted in anticipation of litigation. So uh, you need to respond quickly. You need to have uh, some sort of anticipation of uh, litigation going forward. And finally, uh, back to Europe, in an extraordinarily troubling case, German police raided the law firm representing uh, Mercedes-Benz and um, on over their investigation into manipulation of diesel exhaust emissions. This shows that the uh, Prosecutors are not only taking the case seriously, but by raiding the offices of the law firm, I'm sorry, not uh, Mercedes-Benz, a Volkswagen, uh, to obtain the law firm's investigative files, uh, the privilege is not um, present there as well. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, the first one is always note the difference between the attorney-client privilege and the work product privilege. The attorney-client privilege exists for the corporation, and the work product privilege exists for both the lawyer and the corporation. They have different requirements and can um, have different protections. Number two, you have to keep the information confidential. If you release that information as part of even a required disclosure, that's going to waive the privilege. And finally, number three, and most importantly, I think, always remember that it's different in Europe and the UK. So we've got a couple of pretty big cases uh, with uh, Volkswagen and the uh, 
European, um, excuse me, ENRC case where the serious fraud office was able to get the uh, investigative work by the lawyers. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, day 15, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for day 16 of one month to better investigations and reporting. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only one-month podcast series to a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for one month to better investigations and reporting. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.